Hello, everyone. This is Craig, your benevolent GM, just giving a short intro to this session zero with the obscenely talented Matty Ryan. And man, are you in for a treat? Now, this podcasting venture is new to all of us and mistakes will happen. We're learning as we go. And for this episode, I have to apologize for the slightly poor mic quality on my side. Completely my fault. Idiot. Anyway, Luckily, Matty takes the lead anyway, and the actual content was too good to throw away or re-record. So sit back and enjoy session 0.5 with Mr. Matty Ryan. Hello, everybody. We are back for a session 0.5 with the next player from Stolen Fate. Hopefully you've all listened to the first part with Chris who will be playing Malachi Bordello, our human psychic bard. You don't have to listen to him in order, of course, but there will be some probably chronology issues if you don't. But with me this afternoon, I have the second player. He is a very good friend, but he is also my brother. Welcome to the show, Matty Ryan. Woo! Hello. Nice to be Hello, here. Matty. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. We are obviously whipping through the preparation for Stolen Fate. How are you feeling about it all? I'm excited. Yeah, really excited. I'm just trying to get my head around all of the uh, lore and bits and pieces for my character. As you know, I'm very much into my laws and my backstories and things like that. So I'm trying to temper it down to a reasonable level. But yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> How are you feeling about it? Nervous, I think, would be a good, uh, a good start. Excited, nervous. Just a quick question, because you're, you're obviously without peeking behind the curtain on any of the plot points, but mm-hmm. in terms of complexity of planning versus some of the other campaigns um, that we've done as a group, you obviously mentioned we've done some of the shorter adventures like Plague Stone and then yes. Extinction Curse. How does this compare in terms of complexity for you as a GM? So having run nearly well, over half of the six bookers, um, nearly all of the three booker with Abomination Vaults, we got to the start of book three. The main issue is creating, I think, the narrative thread that runs throughout the whole three books. And nothing against Paizo, but I think each book is often written by a different writer. So there's always a different, slightly different style. They have an overarching theme that they need to adhere to and there are certain story beats that they need to hit and I think it's their job to try and hit them without it feeling artificially written just to hit those beats it has to be natural and at the same time allowing the characters time to breathe and to feel like they're a part of this adventure not just like they're on a linear path of a roller coaster which let's be honest in effect you are it's trying to make it not sound like that or feel like that and in terms of the prep I do it's for me it's more just continuously reading the books so that I fully understand the the three parts of the books and the structure of the story from the start to the end point the actual monsters I'm not having to I I won't prep all those in advance because there's just too many but for me, it's more, okay, how are we getting from point A to B? This is how the book does it. This is the characters I have, and this is how I want to do it. And then we adjust. But for me, I do really want a deep understanding of what the books are giving you. And, and in fairness, 
they give you a lot in these books. There's a lot of well-written lore for you. And there's a lot of kind of looking back at previous books and referencing things, which I think always makes it exciting. So, yeah, it's more story prep, just reading it. So I remember it. <laughs> uh, so we are obviously just about to start chapter three of Night of the Grey, Grey Death, which I mentioned. Grey Death. Um, and ha- any thoughts on that? Are you enjoying high level play? I am. It's different. It's a different beast, I think, when you are taking on a higher level character from the beginning. You haven't grown them organically. I think that we reached some quite mm. high level play in our previous campaigns that we were doing for fun, but we knew these ca- those characters inside and out because we'd obviously grown them organically. So the wrapping your head around how much there is to learn around the different feats and abilities that you have right from the get-go... And for Storm and Fate, it's a similar sort of thing, maybe not to such a high degree being level 11, but mm-hmm. there's still that whole thing that I'm going down my list and I'm just trying to think about, have I got my bases covered? Am I going to be able to remember all of this and remember to just <laughs> remind you on different bits? Because there's no way you're going to know every facet of each individual character versus mm-hmm. if we were growing them from level one. But I think as a starting point for a story, it adds a lot of really cool stakes because... Uh, there'll be so many surprises that each character is going to bring out uh, that's in the in the backlog. I think when it's level one, you're all getting a feel for it, but you have a rough mm. understanding of what everybody's capable of because it's not very much at that point. But uh, Grey Death is a really fun adventure. I've really enjoyed the huge amount of role-playing opportunities balanced with some very cool combats. It's a really great written adventure, I think. Mm, and I do. Uh, our approach with our characters it's it's been a really uh yeah really well constructed piece i think very good yeah no i completely agree i completely agree it's it's always the, the journey from level one forwards is its own path but you're right starting at level 16 that path is already very well trodden and yeah yeah trying to incorporate that and make it still interesting uh, we're obviously starting from level 11 which is uh, much lower down the chain. I think one of the things that, that I've picked up from you guys is that because we have a much better understanding of the system now and the mechanics, we can worry less about the rules because we all know them, hopefully most of them so well, which means you can then focus more on the characters and the character development and the role play. That's come out for sure. Like we would never be able to have begun without knowing the system inside and out at this high level play. <laughs> It would have yep. just been uh, a complete turnoff, I think. But now that we're so familiar, it's only really those juicy rule cases where perhaps uh, Paizo, in all its infinite wisdom, hasn't added complete clarity around a specific rule. And so we're having at the table mm-hmm. to make a decision that is both fair and also uh, feels appropriate for the situation and setting. And I think that we often have some good strong debate but it's always pretty neatly packaged as well absolutely okay well we are here to talk about stolen fate we are here to talk about your character so let's get into it shall we yeah let's go okay top level as we did with chris top level who have we got what are we dealing with so my character's name is aaron Aaron Spokepoint, 
and uh, he's Aaron. Aaron. You can call Aaron, Aaron, but A E R O N, Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron of House okay. Spoke Point, known as Aaron the Ashen. Uh, he Ooh. is a young man. I think we originally I had in Young Man. Young Man. <laughs> oh, young man. <laughs> <laughs> he. he, he I had envisioned him as kind of like a late teen originally. Um, I've just come fresh off reading the uh, Wizard of Earthsea books, and I had in mind a mm. similar kind of character f- uh, as Ged, the main character in those stories, and evolving that and putting my own spin on it using some of the Pathfinder lore. I think that after mm. we spoke about it, I wanted to age him up a tiny bit just so there was a little bit more worldly experience and it would be a bit more appropriate for the setting of where we're putting mm-hmm. the uh, the show. So the basis of his class is he's a sorcerer. Uh, I really wanted, and you mentioned that Paizo just gives you so much in the books, and I think in the campaigns as well, there's so much material that often just gets missed because people are so focused on what's in the core books and there's so so much so i really wanted to make use of some of the thematic stuff that was included as part of the campaign so i'm leaning into the harrow bloodline oh okay so so the harrow so sorcerer so we're going uh human human yeah 20 human and young man how, how old is the young man yeah about 21 20 21 21 years yeah. old okay so aaron Aaron the Ashen, Aaron Spoke Point, the sorcerer mm-hmm. who is going down the Harrow bloodline. Now, is bloodline something that's uh, a sorcerer thing? Yeah, I'm still getting my head around fully how it works. I've played a lot of spellcasters, but I've really never dipped my toe into the sorcerer class at all. And essentially, because the way that magic is kind of constructed, you've obviously got your arcane and your occults and your different schools of magic. I guess the okay. chief difference that I see between the wizard and the sorcerer the wizards are like they're learning their magic and they're crafting out of natural elements and it, to create incredible potent magic whereas the sorcerer's power is from within and it's in the blood and it's maybe oh, from okay. some kind of ancestry so there's loads of different bloodlines like you might be descended from a demon and so that magic has filtered down your bloodline and it gives you those magical powers and with the harrow i think it's introduced as Possibly you've had this magic latch onto you because one of your ancestors was perhaps involved in the Harrow or you've had all of these kind of other outcomes that have come as a result of being associated with the Harrow and it's given Mm. you this connection to it. So it's in your blood and your magic stems from that. And uh, just as a reminder, the Harrow, of course, is Galarian's equivalent of Tarot. So it relates to this deck of magical cards, which, as we found out last time, our party are going to be trying to uh, recover these cards. And the Harrow Bloodline is a brand new Sorcerer Bloodline, right? Mm-hmm. That's been taken uh, in the Player's Guide. That's free to download. Anyone can go and have a look at that. Most Adventure Paths have this. And what uh, is there any kind of key differences you can highlight for us between, say, the Harrow Bloodline and what another, um, say, core rulebook bloodline would be? Yeah, there's so many, and they're all very thematic. So the Harrow was another one I've really been looking at quite in depth for the spells that it gives you, because your bloodline determines the kind of spells that you're prioritized in your repertoire. And Uh, normally a lot of my spellcasters have been built around healing and also 
destructive magic, trying to be as kind of effective on the battlefield and adding to that. And the Harrow Bloodline gives me access to spells that I typically wouldn't think to choose myself ordinarily and they're quite uh because they lean into role play and i think when you don't know exactly what you're gearing up for in an adventure you don't want to invest in a a spell that's going to help you determine the future or something like that or scrying or stuff like that because you're not sure whether it's ever actually going to come into useful play but because this is built for the adventure uh, I have it on relatively good authority that they've included these spells in this bloodline because they're going to be <laughs> sensible. So if they're not, then that will be a big surprise. But um, yeah, it, so you can build obviously a sorcerer who's more around destruction and that kind of thing. Aaron's magic being of the Harrow bloodline is more around boosting allies and debuffing enemies seeing the future okay. that kind of thing so it's it really leans into the mm. role play which is the way where i'm definitely more passionate about that i'm not a min maxer in terms of character efficiency on the battlefield does it <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you want to hear about min maxing tune into the next two sessions heroes <laughs> yeah <laughs> i joke kind of <laughs> all right so that's that's your that's your class so we've got a human 21 year old ish um, sorcerer yes he's gone down the harrow bloodline you want to give a brief description of what they look like or maybe just a little talk about them as as a character where do they come from uh, how are they how have they become a sorcerer yeah sure so I'll keep some things back but the course just to be revealed about the story mm. but the what you need to know what will come out quite early is that in terms of appearance um erin is quite pale skinned silver-eyed wisps of silvery white hair and the setting i put for where he is origin originating from is from the mountains of the, the lands of the Lenorm kings. Um, so this is quite a rough tundra, magically occult land. Like Baba Yaga had previously conquered this this land. So it seemed like a quite thematic setting for this kind of occult place. And I, I had the idea that he is a child of a secret society of wizards uh, who have stole themselves up in the mountains essentially my my reference was like the Bene Gesserit I kind of said to you like a secret society of wizards who are looking at how they could perhaps influence uh, different courts and the world of Galarian uh, through through their own Mm. agency and he originated as a student of this place but was never very successful at mastering arcane magic and instead was just kept having these visions and other occult things happening to him with leaning into the harrow and he found that that's where his magic was mostly uh successful one thing about him and i don't know if you want to go into this too much because it might get revealed as we begin but his visible appearance he is incredibly burned along a lot of his body and climbing up his neck and on two parts of his face from something that happened quite a formative experience that just kind of shaped his backstory which i'm sure will come out as we Do go on. we know then if Aaron was born within this cabal of of wizards or, yes. or magic users, or is that something that's going to be? Yeah, uh, yeah. Sort of I think I think it will come out quite early, so I, I feel comfortable kind of talking about that. Is that this cabal of wizards? Uh, yes. So his father was actually the archmage 
of this group and um so he was born into this society it was very insular um so even though they're in the lands of the lenorm kings they have no affiliation with any of the politics or dealings that are going on there instead they are just a secluded group there to practice their magic and kind of oversee their their plans whether they are for good or ill very cool okay that sounds pretty awesome is he uh sort of general overview of his character is he friendly is he reserved is he yeah so i think joker yeah i think that he is um i've always i've thought of him as being fiercely passionate obviously that he's had clearly some trauma in his past due to the injuries that he's sustained and other losses but um, I think generally, despite that, the power of magic, and I think with especially with the Harrow being all about fate and seeing different versions of the future, and there's certain spells in his bloodline that really lean into that and being able to kind of alter the best version of the future is that it's given him much more of an optimistic, positive outlook. And so mm. he, he isn't shaped by those negative experiences to be dour and to be kind of a bit of a misery because one, I don't think that that's always the most super fun thing to play. And also it can be a bit repetitive to listen to. And I think that we're leaning into the idea that these, this group are going to be mostly heroes, right? They're, they're yes. you know, more on the side of good than they are neutral, I would say. And certainly that's where he would sit as he's a, he's a good character. He wants to right wrongs uh, and set right the mistakes that maybe he feels he's made in the past and use his magic for good where he can. Which is quite a lot probably for a 21 year old to have had to uh, endure already. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And again, this is where my inspirations around Earthsea really came in because of like the the sheer rigorous training and lifestyle of being in this monastery of wizards what that must have been like how strict that must have been and so the maturity that he displays is a sort of wisdom beyond his years i would say okay um but i think that's where his character flaws will certainly come in is that he is young and there is a certain amount of life and experience so mm-hmm. he perhaps has great mastery around certain things that others will never have seen but he will also be lacking in a lot of other areas which i think will make some cool roleplay situations i do look forward to how 21 year old traumatized child born with a group of mages will react to a kurt cabana um kurt cabana 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 <laughs> Kurt Cobain, New Justin Hawkins, Wannabe. <laughs> Look, any kind of differences in character should hopefully lead to good, good storytelling. I think so, and I think from listening to Chris's session, I think because it leans into the occult, like the bards really lean into the occult. Certainly, I got the impression that his character is, for all intents and purposes, a bit of a hippie. Um, yes, <clears throat> excuse me, and so it seems like if you're going from a very academic arcane setting in a place where you're not succeeding and then there's great trauma you're going to find some kinship with other freaks (laughs) basically (laughs) (laughs) and let's be honest any game we've ever played has been full of full of freaks (laughs) (laughs) and not just the npcs (laughs) (laughs) okay so this um 
collection of, of wizards. Did it? Is this something that's law bound, or is this something of kind of flavour thing that we're, we're introducing? And, yeah, this and is, where he's come this from. is something I've created. So I've called it the Eye of Nethys. This is what I had Ooh. in mind. So uh, Nethys, obviously being the god of magic. So I kind of saw it as the cross between a uh, an incredibly privileged university like a kind of arcanarium type place and okay. a religious monastery so that mix of religious doctrine of of magic and stuff like that so really quite strict and secular not secular what's the what's the right word secluded i meant secluded and uh i don't want to dig too much into it because i'm sure that this uh what did you say they were called? The Eye of Nethys? The Eye of Nethys. The Eye of Nethys, yeah. I'm going to assume that whatever story they have is, is something that's in Aeron's either past or present, I guess. Potentially yeah. future. Yeah, so when we begin the story, all that we know is the Eye of Nethys is lost. And Aeron ah. um, is effectively alone and travelling alone seeking seeking answers that's his initial yes. motivation is he's seeking answers as to what has happened to the eye of nethys his family the 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 order was this order quite if you were to compare them to say a modern day or a real world um group are they sort of borderline scientology are we looking at that or is it far more rooted in a more traditional religious kind of i think like that's, catholic church or no something? i think i think that's probably a relatively good comparison yeah i think again the bene Gesserit from june that was my kind of uh, yeah. reference point being that it's like this magical religious order you know uh, and you're never quite sure what their agency is and what their agenda might be is it good is it ill mm. is it wrapped up I'm in what, fate uh, i don't know if you're watching um the latest series of the witcher Season three's just started. I haven't Have seen, seen it yet, no. no. Obviously, there's the Brotherhood there, which is this concept of a group of powerful mages that are then placed within certain powerful courts of the land. And... Exactly that. I think the point is, is that if they're being placed in courts, it's not because the court has reached out to them and said, we need a wizard. Can you send us a wizard? It's more a case of it's done through subterfuge and secretly they are picking out kingdoms they're putting specific wizards in these places to manipulate their own ends that kind of thing cool and as you said we're joining Aaron as he's wandering because for some reason yet to be revealed the eye of nethys this group that he was studying with had been raised by has fallen that's all we know so far that's all we know He's wondering. That is very cool and very interesting. <laughs> Sorry, heavy, 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 heavy on the lore of the backstory. But it's <laughs> all right. Every group needs their lore nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where I always feel most vulnerable. To be honest, is because that's why I, I want to. At least if I have a deep understanding of the story, I can't get caught out. But it's then when it's like, yes, but did you know that the god of Nethys was actually true neutral, and his followers yeah. uh, <laughs> prefer to use the magic mouth spell I was like um yeah that's where I think that I'm always keen to point back to where it says in the rule book that this is your version of Galarian and Mm -hmm. you know 
Also, who cares? <laughs> That's the other thing. I think, I mean, I get really heavy into it and I'm really passionate about what people have written and created. Uh, and I love oh, that. Oh, Matty, how naive you are <laughs> to think nobody cares. No, no, I don't think it's that nobody cares. I think that I'd, I don't care, you know. I'm not precious about it at the same thing. I really care about what people have written and created, but I'm not precious about people, you know, making deviations or putting their own flavour into the world. I can't wait until if we get enough listeners that somebody writes in or goes on the Reddit as a direct attack on your understanding of Nethys and will you be able to resist the prod uh, I will I will I'm, I'm kind of uh, I, I, I've kind of made peace of that having grown up as a Star Wars fan <laughs> you know so sure okay right so I think uh, unless there's anything else you want to reveal about the character I think that's a really nice tight introduction to him yeah I think that's that's the key stuff we can go um, sort of more into the mechanical things now, which will then indicate his attacks and his weaponry and stuff like that. All right, so we now know a little bit about Aaron the Ashen, Aaron's spoke point. Yes. Right? From the Eye of Nethys, educational school group of wizards who have fallen. And as we join our level 11 human sorcerer, they are wandering. Like we did with Chris, we've bought up Pathbuilder2e. That's pathbuilder2e.com for all your character building needs. Completely free for the most part. It's a great tool. Really good. And we'll do a similar thing. Uh, we'll, we'll go through the feats, which I think are probably the most interesting part of the character. And look at some of the choices. And then if we've got time, maybe if there's any other bits of equipment or items, cool items that you might have thought about, we can obviously have a look at those. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, Aaron, what background? We know he's a human, we know he's a sorcerer. What background have we got? Yeah, so to reiterate, I've tried to take as much from the specific campaign material wherever possible. I really wanted to lean in and utilize that. And again, I will preface by saying that I'm not a min-maxer and build entirely around uh, the theme of the character. So... For my background, I have chosen the Crown of Chaos background, which is one of the ones from the Stolen Fate campaign. Uh, oh, okay. So, Matty, just sorry. that um, the uh, With these being in the player's guide, which obviously has only been out for th- uh, probably four months now, the last book only came out a couple of weeks ago, these are already in Path Builder. They are indeed. Yeah, I was. So I was Blood really pleased. There, the, the Every, everything's are there. there. Yeah, everything's there. Wow. These these guys are really quick off the mark, and uh, it, it seems like everything works perfectly. So, yeah, they that are lifesavers, really. And I think the same actually applies to Foundry, uh, which we'll be using. I, th- I think the only thing to say on that is I have the paid version of Path Builder, which I think you might need to get the specific campaign stuff. So again, it's, okay. it's like a one-off fee, but it's... I think it's two or three pounds. Yeah, it's nothing. Is it? Yeah, it's really cheap. Something like it's that, really cheap, but it's worth it if you are playing a lot of campaigns and you want to lean into that material rather than just using the base core stuff. Um uh, yeah, I, right. I think that's that's that. Gotta love the community. Okay, sorry to interrupt. So your background is Crown of Chaos, which is a brand new background that has been taken specifically from the Stolen Fate Player's Guide. Yeah, absolutely. And the a lot of these backgrounds lean into 
the suits of the Harrow deck, and this one is affiliated with the suit of crowns. It's just be like mm. in your tarot decks, you know, the wands or uh, batons or coins kind of suit decks yeah so um, we haven't obviously touched too much on the harrow deck stuff itself that will like definitely play out more in the main pod but uh unlike a normal deck of cards there are i believe six suits yes that's, in, that's, in a harrow that's deck. right and i think if it's not uh revealing anything but we, we all begin with a with a harrow card as well yes, don't do. we? and so yeah. when me and the other guys have been talking about which cards we want to start with my card's is also one of the suit of crowns so okay. it seemed appropriate Ooh. to kind of go with that because they paired up there the idea behind this uh, i'll just read a bit from the description uh, it says your life <laughs> was one of tumult and mayhem but you don't see this as a bad thing perhaps you lived life on the road uh, you've been traveling maybe on a pilgrimage or with a group of explorers or you've been forced to grow up in a region where your society has collapsed so obviously that seems hey. quite thematic and appropriate for what i've built into the backstory so that was actually coincidental <laughs> so that fitted quite nicely <laughs> this gives me two ability boosts one to charisma which as a sorcerer is my key skill and one is a free okay. ability boost. And I also gain the Charming Liar skill feat. I think this is always quite a common thing in my characters, is yes. going into the deception and the communication routes. I really like those parts and building characters around that. Um, this also gives me a free action fortune effect called Chaotic Destiny. So the trigger is if I fail a saving throw during combat, then the chaos intervenes on my behalf at the last instant. As I fail the saving roll, I get to draw a harrow card and re-roll the saving throw. So, um, yeah, this kind of fits well, because if I draw a card from the suit of crowns, I can improve the result by one degree. Interesting. That's something I'll need to look at, because uh, as I think I might have mentioned last time, but there is harrow decks are available there's all different types of them i think the, the cards are generally the same but you can have multiple decks multiple harrow readers so it'd be interesting to know whether you need to have a deck of harrow cards uh in order to um run that ability yeah with this uh i don't think it says it on every single one but there's certainly one of my harrow spells i think that okay basically says you draw from the harrow deck and if you don't have a harrow deck then you can make one magically appear as part of the action of this spell so i think that uh, reading that literally i would probably assume i need a harrow deck which yes i don't know if i can start with a basic harrow deck or i will get into gear maybe later but yeah i think i'm pretty sure you can though i'm uh, I'm pretty sure that a harrow deck is an item you can just buy um, and have yeah, I think so. I think there's different types, but obviously I wouldn't read Google it too much because you might end up in the uh, no. In the, no, in the I think GM we'll, we'll approach we'll approach that uh, carefully, cautiously. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that's my background: crown of crown of chaos. Interesting. Okay, so this is uh, going back to level one. Um, obviously, you are only 21 years old as a character, but so level one is probably going to be when he first starts his training. Yeah. So like what, what I've, tr- I've tried to be as linear as possible so kind of matching it up with his youth of being trained in arcane magic and things like that and living in the in this monastery Mm. 
I have kind of moved the feats around because I've taken like level one feats later on. So, you know, the cool. same sort of thing, but not necessarily in the right order. So my heritage, okay. I've chosen winter-touched human, just knowing that we're living up on the high mountains of the Lenorm Kings. And essentially this gives me cold resistance equal to half of my level and okay. allows me to bear the cold in extreme conditions a little bit better so that's cool I've read in the player's guide that it says be prepared for anything because this is not just in a single setting you'll be going all over the place and so i've tried to lean into being a little bit more conscious of survival which is something we've never really had to do before. So I'm planning that, you know, we've never really had to get into subsisting and food and stuff like that before because uh-huh. we've always been in towns and settlements. So I'm, I'm working on the assumption that I might need to be prepared for that. I'm not sure if that will come into it, but yeah. So he's naturally Ooh. a survivor with the winter touched human. And my ancestry feat, I chose uh, haughty obstinacy which gives me a, like my powerful ego, makes it harder for others to order me around. My thinking on this was that being the son of the Archmage and growing up in a uh, closed-off society, it probably gave him a, a, a big ego at an early age, um, <laughs> which he's probably had a bit more of a reality check since everything he's been through. So, mm. But that kind of confidence is still there, so this gives me bonuses for people try to do a mental effect or intimidate me cool yeah i like it very nice and then of course at level one is where you've chosen your bloodline which you've already said is the harrow bloodline yep and i've got my free feet my charming liar feet so i imagine that living on the roads and things like that you need to have your wits about you be able to you know be able to lie about things at uh, the drop of a hat in order to mm. get out of trouble or risky situations and quite possibly even from his history in the in this very strict regime that he was possibly living in, the ability to be able to lie and deceive was, but might be harder than it would be uh, in a normal town environment. Yeah, so I think it's get, probably get, get, built into them, good. you know, built into them to not not uh, reveal the, these their secrets, you know, of their organization. So we're going to assume trained in deception and those kind of things. Yeah, so I've got yeah training in deception, diplomacy. I've put training in Arcana specifically, thinking around he would have picked up a lot of that skill in Arcana, even though he's not actually very good at producing arcane magic. And yeah, so so level two, level then. two, I chose dangerous sorcery, uh, which allows me to so my legacy grants me great destructive power so when i cast a spell from my spell slots if it deals damage uh i gain a status bonus to that spell's damage equal to the spell's level so it just makes my magic a little bit more potent because i don't have that many offensive spells yet i don't think i think as i mentioned Ah, they're all mainly around uh seeing the future or boosting buffing allies debuffing enemies so where I am making damage, I just kind of wanted to make it more effective. It's a little boost. And I think as well, this ties into his story of destructive magic and things like that. Mm. So as will be revealed, I've put a few skill trainings in here again, just thinking that he's coming yes. from that real academic background. Um, I can see you boosted your uh, deception there again, which ties into that that ability to lie. and f- Exactly. And, and also not just lie. I think deception also uh, can... can uh, those things tied into your perception and being able to not only be the liar but to 
detect the liar themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that he's, as I've mentioned, a good character. So he's not going to be lying for nefarious reasons. It's it's lying for moral reasons, usually, you know, to try and get out mm. of trouble or to, you know, achieve his, his well-intentioned aims. Um, I took at level three the diehard feat just knowing as well classic squishy spellcaster Mm. Uh, again I thought diehard diehard lets you usually in the rules um, once we get onto the dying conditions which hopefully won't be in the first episode but uh, usually a character once they reach dying four and they're out of hero points there's a couple of other ways to die but they're the main ones but diehard will allow the character to go to dying five before they die so it makes them a little bit hardier for those real dire situations yeah i thought this fitted as well given the climate and the setting that he's from is quite harsh terrain and you know you have to be built to be tough to survive in that kind of climate and the idea of fate maybe having something in store for him as well so there's another feat i've taken later on which will uh kind of come back to die hard that i'll mention and around him just like having a maybe having a purpose of being here perhaps Um, and at level three you also pick up as a sorcerer signature spells yeah so signature spells um we've used those previously in other characters that i've um that I've had essentially allows me to heighten my spells freely um, and just spend a s- spell slot of a higher number to heighten that spell um, easily. Rather than having to learn the spell at different levels, you can learn a say a fifth level fireball, but using signature spells. If that was one of your signature spells, exactly. you can cast it at a much higher level without having to relearn the spell at that higher level. Yeah, it makes the being a spontaneous ca- uh, caster far more versatile it's a really good little addition nice so die hard at level three then we move to level four level four i took a reach spell which is a single action that allows me to boost the range of my spells by 30 feet i think i was just having a look and you know 30 feet is a very standard range for a lot of spells yes and i know that that has gotten us into trouble once or twice (laughs) and i thought that this just seemed sensible given that several of my spells are built around reactions and giving status bonuses to um to my allies so i just wanted to not be completely ineffective to have a spell that i can't use because i'm too far Mm. away or whatever so and also if you've got touch spells that will increase the range from touch to 30 feet which is yeah huge Yes. really really big yeah a lot of a lot of early spells certainly have have uh, touch as their range meaning you have to be in an adjacent square obviously you can spend an extra action now and and do that from from 30 feet away very cool yep i also took skill training in athletics just because again ah, okay. i thought that it's incredibly useful skills i have for any campaign but particularly sure. that the harsh setting of the eye of nethys I imagine that all of the students would be forced to do chores to maintain the the monastery. So, you know, going down from the mountain to get supplies and things like that. So <laughs> there's like that kind of really r- r- rigorous uh, lifestyle that you have to yeah. adopt in addition to being really academic and just not just being your wizard in your robes in your high tower reading your books. You 
are, mm. you know, like a monk. And not just some, <laughs> some entitled sort of prince either who yeah. maybe just only has to do their magic lessons. You're, you're the guy who's out there being whipped on the battlefield or, or at least being uh, having a harder life. So you've got to make sure having a bit of athletics is going to serve you well. Yeah, absolutely. So that seemed like an essential one, especially given if we are going to be traversing wilderness and whatever else on our adventure athletics is never one i want to be without <laughs> so sure then we go on to level five yes which of course unlocks your third level spell slots yes it does uh, quite a big level though for any character i think um get your ability boosts ancestry feet magical fortitude and a skill increase so yeah always a good one level five yeah so i took ability boosts to my strength my wisdom my dexterity and my charisma so I was really trying to just even out my scores a little bit. I've obviously got a reduced one in intelligence there, and charisma is obviously way ahead, so just kind yes. of fits with what I'm trying to do with my magic, but I didn't want to be completely lopsided, so it's fairly balanced and even. Okay, so my ancestry feat, I took natural ambition. I think that ambition would be something bred into all of the students of this place in order to succeed and if you didn't have that ambition you would fall behind and uh, it would be to your your detriment so this allows me to gain a first level class feat uh, for my class oh okay an additional one yeah an additional one and I took widened spell which basically is same as widened spell yeah same as reach spell but just allows me to widen an area of effect um, by a Ah, so if it was a cone or something, it goes it gets a bigger cone. If it's an area, a bigger area. Exactly. Yep. Uh, Just for a single action. Yep. God, imagine you had four actions per turn. You could do the range, I know. the width, and do it. I know. I there must be ways that you can if get you an had, extra action um, for that. Yeah, there must. I wonder. Uh, Haste wouldn't do it. Quickened, because obviously that's for striding and striking. But I, there must be feats. Yeah, right in. Maybe we maybe we'll find them by then. Well, but yeah, we could just we could just make one up. You know, oh, we could <laughs> just, just make <laughs> we, it up. Yeah, we could, but then we also couldn't. My character so... has a feat where I can't be killed. <laughs> <laughs> I was just listening to another podcast and they were doing it to say, yeah, my character's adverse um, to any kind of adversity. So <laughs> that's my kind of trigger point. Is if my character starts taking damage, uh, I'm gonna that's I'm out basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah not for me not for me okay magical fortitude that's just a boost on your fort saves i think right yeah they increased to expert at level five level six cool. i get another class feat i chose Ooh. advanced bloodline so again i had a flick through all of the options and there's quite a lot of different ones but i just really wanted to stick to what was in the campaign just to mm. make use of these because these harrow bloodline spells are unique to the campaign so if i don't take this feat i don't get them and uh it just gives me access to let me just bring it up and i can talk through that spell because there's only a couple bloodline spells so i begin with a spell called unraveling blast and then this one is, is again this is what links back to my uh my background this is called Invoke the Harrow, and it's a third-level focus spell that allows me to draw a card from the Harrow deck and essentially choose a target. It could be an enemy or an ally, and I can choose a boon or a bane 
effect, and depending on what card I draw, there's dozens of different Ooh. effects so it's got that element of randomness but you at least know whether it's going to be good or bad so for example if i chose uh, chris's character and i said i want to give chris's character a boon i draw a card if it happens to be a hammer's suit card then um the target gains <coughs> a plus two bonus to damage rolls so it's uh, random so it's all about the all about the card that's, it's not a specific card it's to do with the the suit the that's suit drawn again. yeah to do with the suit and the same really for cool. for uh banes for enemy effects so i can make a target clumsy or enfeebled or stupefied by ra- at random depending on what card i draw oh i love it really cool I love it. and so yeah i just didn't want to miss the opportunity to do that so i chose that my advanced bloodline and drawing of cards is cool anyway and i, I will say this and i i've not purchased it yet but foundry have released an official add-on module for pathfinder which is a harrow deck oh, very module. cool and i believe that a you get access to all the cards so that kind of solves that problem i just need to dig into that but it also allows you even to do a full harrow reading oh. uh, which is very similar to a tarot reading the layout of cards i believe it handles all of it so that's really exciting yeah i'd like to look into that because i think that could c- predict uh some really cool roleplay moments uh that nice. would be quite fitting for aaron i chose okay. dubious knowledge as my level six skill feat this uh essentially i'm imagining that where he wasn't succeeding in the arcane studies but found he had a real affinity for the occult he was delving into the restricted section of the library gaining all sorts Mm. of different sources of information but obviously as i mentioned he is only 21 he's young and inexperienced hasn't perhaps got a fully rounded knowledge about everything he knows and essentially this allows me if i fail a recall knowledge check I learn a bit of true knowledge and a bit of erroneous knowledge, but I don't know which is which. Uh, <laughs> so, cool. Yes. Yeah, we have seen this before. All around recall knowledge and a GA makes a GM life. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Try to come up with a bit of fake knowledge that isn't clearly fake. Yeah, and it's always the first one is the real one. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Noted. Yeah. Okay, cool. Right. Let's keep going. Level seven. Level seven, I got a skill increase. I sure, boosted yeah. we'll, myself. We'll, we'll leave the skill increases for now. Let's focus on those juicy feats. my general feat i took numb to death this is a level seven Ooh. um okay feat pre-resquits pre- you must have die hard so again this was linking back to that that feeling of perhaps there's a reason that he is on this quest or this journey and it's uh, harder to kill him and purely selfishly i've done it because i don't want my sorcerer to die <laughs> <laughs> but the prerequisite is not just die hard it's also die hard and you've died at least once oh, during sh- that day i think <laughs> does that mean you've died like fully died or you've gone to dying i go no i assume it means you've gone to dying because it says then frequency once per day your past has left you numb to death's call the first time each day that you regain hit points while you are dying you regain additional hit points equal to a level and you neither gain the wounded condition nor increase the value of this condition. Yeah. So I guess it's whilst you're dying. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly that. Ah, so yeah, the first time you get healed whilst dying, you regain additional points equal to your level ah, and okay. you neither gain the wounded condition nor increase the value if you already have it. 
Cool. Okay. So it's like a little boost on the old uh, uh, on a heel from from unconscious. Yeah. And, and if uh, if anyone if we have any rules lawyers who say that I have to have died at least once, then <laughs> he's died. <laughs> he's died in the past. We'll say that. Um, so yeah, I think I think that was just a really helpful one to have. Cool. Uh, again, expert spellcaster at level seven as well. So um, my proficiency ranks basically go up for all the numbers stuff and spell DCs. So just makes me more efficient. Nice. Uh, level eight. I chose eight. cantrip expansion just knowing that the spells on my list as i said are more for boosting stuff i haven't really got that much damage output so i wanted to choose a few cantrips that would maybe support on that um so yeah i've got my cantrip expansion and then i that also just gives you that gives you two new cantrips it, uh yeah so you for, have as, access to five but you get two per day exactly add two additional cantrips to your repertoire yep that's right cool yeah and really i useful. also chose root magic so again level eight i'm imagining he's fully immersed into the occult and the harrow at this point and the uh in line with that he's learning more about this esoteric type magic stuff so with this mm. i gain a the ability to create a small pouch with bits of herbs hair sacred oil and other ritual ingredients which i can give to one of my allies oh very cool yes we've seen this in our night of the gray death yes, i believe we have mary has uh, the root magic that's right and yeah very cool i think because i'm an expert it'll go up to a plus two so quite a useful little thing to have yeah very cool and a nice little role play moment sometimes i think uh, so here's a bag give, of hair giving other characters things <laughs> that's why i've always liked the alchemist like, I've, I've failed to actually listen to something where the alchemist is playing it uh the way maybe i would like to play it more which is where at the daily prep they're handing out potions and they go right here's what i've made potions today. for you two for you none for you because you ate the last uh rib last <laughs> night <laughs> yeah exactly i think that's the real benefit of those characters especially at later levels when you get quite a decent supply each day yeah so yeah, yeah. you can give be generous love it uh, okay level okay. nine level nine's another big level for most characters it is i chose natural skill um to basically boost uh, a couple of my skills up just because i wanted okay. to have a bit more of an even spread and being trained in a few different areas um i've just yeah, lost that the ones sense. i picked but <laughs> it's annoying <laughs> that's fine yeah yeah, so a couple of skill boosts, and you get a boost to your reflex saves as well. That's right. Level 10, okay. I, again, didn't want to miss the opportunity to gain my final bloodline spell. Ooh, okay. Which I will just quickly find. So this gives me access to a spell called Rewrite Possibility. Ooh, yep. okay. I continually glimpse into the target's future and nudge fate to guide them towards the best possible outcome. So for one minute, while this spell is active on one of my allies, I can target anyone, any creature, but let's say an ally. Um, and it's a touch spell, which means you could use your... Uh, I, yeah, I can your... now make it 30 feet, so, you know, yes. really helpful. Cast... Uh, da, 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 da. While rewrite, while I can't even say it, while rewrite possibility is in effect, the target gains a plus one status bonus to initiative rolls, and they gain the following reaction: if they fail a check, 
they can roll it again with a plus two status bonus and use the higher result. Wow. For one minute while that spell is active. They gain Juicy. that extra reaction. Pretty cool. And can you cast... Uh, how long does that last for? Uh, one minute? Yeah, one minute. I can only have one active at any time. If I cast it again, it ends. Um, the first one ends. Cool. I notice it's got the uh, prediction trait. That's not one I've actually seen before. I don't know if that's a... Ooh. Oh, no, that is in the core rulebook, but I've never seen that. Uh, Most predictions are divinations. Yes. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, and something I didn't mention, which I probably should. Let me just just bring it up one second. Whilst Matt's doing that, I uh, the tool that I use for you GMs out there is one called PF2, the number two, easy.com. It's a fantastic resource. I, Archives of Nethys, I cannot use. I don't like the way it looks. I appreciate it's official and supported. But if you want something that's a little bit easier on the eye and a bit more intuitive, I highly recommend pf2easy.com. Ivan over there runs a really great, really great group of tools and resources. But for quick looking up of stuff, I really can't. Uh, Shout out speak to Ivan because I am on pf2easy as we speak. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I've just. So another big thing about the sorcerer is something called blood magic. So essentially, each time you use one of your, uh, I think I'm understanding this right. I will have to double check. So if I get it wrong, uh, don't rake me over the coals. But do do each, that. <laughs> each time I do a uh, one of my granted spells, which is affiliated with my bloodline, then my blood magic activates and gives me a passive effect. And in Aaron's ah. case and the Harrow bloodline. I become enveloped in possibility, represented as multiple versions of yourself from your possible futures overlaid on each other. So I'm thinking like wow. Doctor Strange, like <laughs> yeah, flickering, yeah, yeah. and I, it gives me concealment for one round. So rewrite possibility sounds fantastic. Oh no, sorry, no, what was it called? So that rewrite possibility is the spell, but then I was just touching back on my blood magic. So the blood magic basically uh, gives me concealment each time I use one of those granted spells. Oh, it the, gives you concealment. Yeah, because my uh, yeah, my my future is splitting, so I'm. Oh, that's amazing! Different versions and of as myself. As we know, concealment, even though it's only a DC five flat check, it can uh, from all of our yeah. previous games that has saved, I think, numerous lives with that. Uh, it DC5 absolutely has, flat especially check. when it's been like we've rolled the attack first and it's been like a crit or something, and then yes. we've remembered concealment, concealment, <laughs> concealment. Oh, oh no, God. it's a GM's worst nightmare failing that check. But those moments are just uh, so amazing, aren't they? So good for the players. Really, really good. Yeah. So yeah, okay, I, I need so to blood magic. Want to uh, dig in a little bit more, and probably will unveil as we go. Absolutely. But it sounds very cool. I also took forager just in line forager. with wanting to be a little bit more survival focused. Seemed appropriate for his background, but also knowing that you know we've got to prepare for anything. I, hmm. I'm not sure if subsistence is going to come into the adventure, but. I don't want to leave it to chance and I want to at least be able to yeah, be prepared for it uh, and mm. adopting 20 climates and going from there. So there we go. It's certainly not something we've touched upon in our games too much. I know some groups really like to, to get into the subsistence part, mainly because, as you say, we've been in towns. We've not actually been traveling through the wilderness for days or weeks on end. Uh, even when we've done those long boat journeys, the boat is going to be... Uh, 
laden with food and drink and stuff, right? Exactly. But yeah. I would say the small, tiny piquette behind the curtain is that there will be at least some elements of survival and subsistence going on. So cool. Yeah, we won't let these feats go to waste. Cool. And finally, for level level eleven, I took toughness again. I think that I just needed to boost my little squishy spellcaster up a tiny I'm bit. Seeing a theme here, it's, I want theme. to have a cool character, but I don't want him to die. So yeah, I I think it all fits with his story, though. I think that by level eleven, obviously the the eye of Nethys will have fallen, and he'd be out living essentially on the road, you know, and that really and he's he's young as well you know he's he's young he's full of energy so mm-hmm. and especially given the burns that he's he's experienced all over his body i just imagine that that kind of robustness after going through that experience that he's developed out of that he's now got this if he, he's survived that he can survive pretty much anything and uh yeah no that i think that ties in well he's got this he's got the uh protection from the cold from where he's been living he's got some points in athletics and so the toughness absolutely makes sense it's not just like i want more hit points and so i'm putting that feet there is there is method behind the, the choice there which i really do appreciate yep and i also gain alertness and simps i gain alertness at level 11 so just my perception goes up to expert again seems quite appropriate uh, yes. being uh, on, always on the lookout on the road and simple weapon expertise not not as relevant for me but yeah i've got that so i just did a quick count on the core rulebook table and i think i'm roughly right you as a level 11 sorcerer will have access to around 30 spells per day i think <laughs> you might be right yeah is i think sorcerer's got definitely the most it there's a lot seems especially like with your lot. expanded cantrips and your bloodline stuff and yeah, that's good, because ultimately, I'm guessing during combat, are you wielding any kind of weaponry? I know you've got some points in athletics, but it's probably not going to be your your forte. Yeah, I, I am quite keen to see if I can... I, I need to sort gear still, so I think that what I'd like mm. to do is see if I can substantiate the damage output with something like a staff, so I can even boost my magic through a magical staff that I can use as a melee weapon if I need it, but classic sorcerer item really isn't it yeah stuff? exactly and i think i'd yeah I, th- I think there's some cool things to look at creating your own stuff so as, as as well which i think might be something i'd like to investigate a bit more in the future um but yeah it's that's where i see it at the moment fantastic all right matty well look uh thank you so much for taking us through aaron the ashen aaron spoke point mm-hmm I cannot wait to meet him. He sounds absolutely fantastic, interesting. There's plenty of backstory there for us to to dig out. And uh, I genuinely, genuinely looks like a well thought out character as well. So thank you very much. Yeah, super excited to get started. Brilliant. Okay. Well, unless you've got anything else, my man, I'm going to leave it there. No, I'm all good. Uh, just good luck with the preparation, I suppose. <laughs> you've got the hard <laughs> job. <laughs> uh anyway we'll get there so yeah once again thank you to matty for that and join us next time when we will do our third character build with either jason or Camone. where i'm hoping now that we have a sorcerer not putting out much damage and a bard putting out little bits of damage 
we might find a character <laughs> who can actually put out some damage. But as I say, if you want a min-max lesson, tune in for the next one. <laughs> Matthew, thank you very much. Thanks so much. See you soon. And um, we'll see you soon. Thanks, mate. Cheers. <laughs>